Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast. You are a one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friend and with your family. My name is David Tremaine and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego, California. And I'm Charlotte Pressler and I'm the Youth Commissioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I'm Jeff Martinhawk. I'm a priest at St. Paul's Cathedral in San Diego. And <laughs> I think I said, I think I said, with your friend and family. So everybody just gets <laughs> one friend this week. Sorry, you guys. Anyone that has multiple friends, not allowed to listen to the podcast this week. Um, welcome, Jeff. Thank you for being here with yes, us today. We are Jeff. excited to welcome oh. you to the podcast. And thank you for being our one friend. Yes. Well, that's what I was going to say. Are, yeah. Do you count as my one friend? You, you, I've got two friends right here on the show. Right. So you can actually only talk directly to one of us. The other one will just be kind of a passive listener, <laughs> maybe a mediator. Um, right. Actually, Jeff, you know, welcome kind of back to the podcast because for many, for a number of years, you were in very close proximity to a lot of podcast recordings. Uh, because when we were at the cathedral, Jeff's office was right next to our impromptu recording studio in my office so you've been close we it was and you probably had to edit many of your early sure. podcasts <laughs> because i was probably banging on your door as you were recording uh-huh. or staring in the little slit window in the door <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on <laughs> just me and maya in there in the dark um yes so jeff thank you for being on the podcast this week we're so excited to have you and just to give everybody, you know, a good sense of who you are and what you're doing and what your ministry is, would you share a little bit about your ministry context? Sure. I'm a, my t- title is Canon for Congregational Life at the Cathedral here in San Diego. And so I do things like uh, work uh, with the stewardship program at the Cathedral, uh, communications, our adult uh, formation program. Um, our uh, children, youth, and families ministry uh, is part of my portfolio, uh, and um, volunteer engagement, welcoming and incorporation, pretty much anything that's not worship and music and liturgy um, mm-hmm. or administration is part of my part of my area cool. of ministry. Yeah, Amazing. you wear a lot of hats. Yeah, I do. Lots of it's things. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so to bring it up to the moment, then, would you share a little bit, uh, maybe a time this past week where you um, felt God's presence or saw God in the world somewhere in your either at church or not at church, just anywhere? Yeah, well, I, you know, I'm not at church at the building anyway, um, very often these days, really hardly at all. But I did go, my day off is Mondays uh, right now. And this week, I really felt like I needed to get away from the house because um, the house is spending a lot of time here. Mm -hmm. So I went to the beach on Monday. And what I was thinking about was, you know, it was so relaxing to be there on Monday. It was not crowded at all. I felt very safe. And um, I was watching um, uh, a young family play in the water. And, you know, I'm, I'm of an age where I'm sort of, my, my youngest just graduated from high school. And so I'm an, I'm an early empty nester. So watching scenes like that make me a little nostalgic anyway, and a little reflective. But this, this small child, about four or five, was trying to get on a surfboard. And he just knew he could do it, but he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. He just couldn't get up. Mm-hmm. And so from behind him, 
his dad uh, just sort of lifted him up and placed him on the board um, as the kid was struggling. And, you know, it was a small action, but for whatever reason, you know how somehow sometimes you watch those little scenes and they just touch you. And it just touched me. I think for the first for the first moment that it touched me was because I remembered doing that kind of thing for my own child and missed kind of having those moments. But I think the more that I thought about it, the more I kind of thought about, you know, where reflected on how that little kid really, I think, thought he did that himself mm-hmm. and wondering about where in my own life uh, I struggle and then get a little help. Uh, without realizing it, mm-hmm. thinking that mm-hmm. I've done it myself um, and wondering how I can be more mindful of paying attention to where I get a little boost um, to get on my own surfboard, mm-hmm. wherever that may be. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I love it. And thematically, a great transition into our gospel discussion today, uh, I think. And so thanks, Jeff, for sharing that. And we would love to hear from you all out there uh, or your one friend. Um, You can email us any of your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion or like Jeff, where you saw God this past week. We'd love to hear from you all. Uh, You can email us faith to go at edsd.org. You can also contact us through the website where you can also find all the faith to go resources every week, www.myfaith2go.org. Or you can contact us or follow us on Instagram at faith to go And now we're going to transition into our gospel discussion. So we're uh, Charlotte's going to read the gospel for the Sunday, October 4th, this upcoming Sunday, uh, proper 22, if, for those following along in their liturgical calendars. Ordinary, very ordinary. And uh, then we'll each take uh, some time to share a point from the gospel that we'd like to highlight. So Charlotte's going to read Matthew 21, 33 to 46, and then we'll take some time to talk about it. Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 to 46. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, 
but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. All right, so we've got some parables and another sticky situation. Last week was about, uh, well, just in terms of context for the gospel here, we are we are just in the very next uh, verses following last week's gospel. Last week we were talking about Matthew 21, 23, 32, the two sons in the vineyard. And then the week before that was about the authority of Jesus. So, I'm sorry, that was that's all the same thing. The authority of Jesus and the two sons in the vineyard. That was last week. So um, Jesus is back on the parable train. So we've got we've had another two parables in a row in Matthew's gospel. And now kind of in terms of the lectionary, we've had a, a whole bunch of parables. This whole fall is really a bunch, a bunch of parables about the kingdom of heaven. So um, I have the first point for this week. And the thing that that jumped out to me from this gospel that really was was kind of this question that I feel like Jesus is inviting, inviting not just the Pharisees, but everyone listening and also us to to think about and to reflect on in terms of our own. Because he's he's talking to Pharisees who have a, a, a pretty significant amount of of power and influence, at least in their circle in their uh, faith community and their tradition um, and and he's asking he's asking us to reflect on what exactly it is that we claim is ours of our resources and I think he's asking not just about about all of the resources that we have you know we have we think of we think of wealth resources in terms of wealth a lot of the time and in this parable it's very specifically about kind of like the profits of this vineyard um but there's a whole lot of different resources that we have and i think like the deeper we go in asking this question what really is ours what have we created ourselves what have what resources have we gained on our own um, we can really take into account all these different kinds of resources that are ours. Those are like abilities that we have, spiritual resources, uh, relational resources. And especially in this time when, when we uh, culturally are asking the question, who has kind of an unearned advantage in, in the United States of America and in the history of the United States of America? Who has this unearned advantage and where do we see disparities in resources? Um, and is that because of people and differences in people or is it because of differences in policy? Is it because of diff like structural differences in our world? And so I think these two questions are kind of are are kind of go 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 together really well. They're a little they're complementary because if we start to ask one question, we have to kind of start to ask the other question. And Jesus is asking, how are we conceptualizing of our resources, and how are we thinking about who owns what and who has deserves access to what? Um, and so he's he's setting up this parable to say, you've got these tenants of this vineyard who have not done anything to create this vineyard this vineyard they he he goes into very specific detail about how the vineyard was put together right it's got all these parts a landowner planted the vine the person owns the land planted the vineyard put the fence around it dug a wine press in it and built a watchtower so it literally has everything that it needs these tenants didn't have to do anything 
to gain yeah. to gain the profits of this thing that they are this place they are inhabiting. And so I wonder I think to myself like what exactly when I conceptualize of my whatever power, my gifts, my resources, my even like uh, in my least he- less healthy moments, my kind of superiority in different ways of in different places in my life, you know, what really is mine? Or, and what is what resources have just been given to me uh, either out of just being a, a beloved human, a beloved child of God, but also what are the circumstances culturally that have created the structures for me to succeed that I really didn't earn? And so it's like just starting to ask the question, what really is mine? You know, what really do I own of, of what I think I own? And and then the, and then that leads to other important questions, I think, culturally about how how are goods and resources being hoarded and and kind of stopped up in the flow of our of our communities. Yeah. And David, as I'm listening to you talking, I think that it's so important to recognize that what we name as having value gives it value. Right. So like the things that as a as a person that we say, oh, this is mine, therefore I have created its value and I'm going to hold on to it with my closed fist and not share it. Um, and in the culture, of uh, this is what we name as value, education, work ethic, all of these things, and they have value and therefore people that chose a different life direction or a different path um, have less value. That those things that we name that way create their inherent value. And what our call in in that is to recognize that the differences are what makes our world so much richer. Um, And that when we are holding things that we particularly think have value that may or may not belong to us, um, that we actually increase their value if we open our hand up and share them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think that uh, transitions us well to the next point, which is Jeff's point, point number two. Yeah, and and I just want to reiterate kind of that, you know, in my understanding of this parable, Jesus is talking to uh, religious, uh, the religious establishment Mm -hmm. who, you know, the the vineyard is a metaphor um, for Israel and, um, and, and, and God as a landowner in this metaphor has um, provided uh, the religious establishment um, with leadership of, of the chosen people of the vineyard. Um, but they believe that they have been, um, that they have now, uh, they've, they've forgotten that, that that was a trust given to them and not their own vineyard, so to speak, to do what they will with. So Jesus is criticizing them for, forgetting their original call, their original purpose, which was not to do whatever they wanted to with the people of Israel, but, uh, but to, to care for the vineyard, to care for the people of Israel, to lead them under God's direction. And so it's, it's a condemnation of their failure uh, to remember whose they were. And I think um, as I consider everything that you just said, David, about um, stewardship, and, and our own, you know, I think, we, I think it's very easy to hear this parable and then start to point the finger outward mm-hmm. at, you know, at somebody else. 
Um, but I wonder if it might be interesting to think about that, uh, looking you know more introspectively at uh, even a even an almost literal reading of the vineyard and the fruit, and um, what does it mean for a vineyard to produce fruit, and looking at the ways in which we farm even. Mm-hmm. Um, and have turned farming into a commercialized consumeristic uh, endeavor um, with a focus on efficiency and a focus on numbers and, 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 and creating the kind of value that you were just talking about, David, where we try to turn the land into some kind of machine that we can, we can pull value out of. Mm-hmm. Instead of seeing the land as something that doesn't belong to us, but something which is entrusted to us, uh, where we can live in harmony with it if we steward it carefully. Um, and and, and I, it's especially on my mind after the past few weeks of wildfires and uh, hurricanes and uh, other climate-related changes, where we're living with the results of uh, this modern age where we have started to see the earth as a machine, mm-hmm. uh, where rather than seeing ourselves in partnership and in stewardship of the earth, we see it as a machine to be harvested. And we see it as something uh, that uh, is not something we're in stewardship of, as attendants were in stewardship of the vineyard, but something rather that we own. Right and that belongs to us and which we should extract all possible value from at whatever mm-hmm. cost mm-hmm. and without, without looking at any uh, other measures in much the way you were talking about in relationships. And so I wonder, um, I wonder what exactly it means to produce fruit from the vineyard mm-hmm. when we're entrusted with a vineyard. What, is, what, what kind of fruit um, are we called to produce once we discern that we're not really the owners of the vineyard. Mm-hmm. How, do we, how do we ask ourselves what the right questions are about measuring sort of output if we want to put it in brutal, efficient terms? Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, is, it, is it sort of these economic measures of, of you know, how many grapes we produce or mm-hmm. is it how many relationships uh, we, we, uh, we can sustain? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it how many lives can be knit together or is it how many dollars I can put in my pocket? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those kinds of questions. And is there a way that we can start to think of stewarding ourselves, our resources and all that we have in a way that sustains gospel values, uh, not seeing this as what I have, mm-hmm. uh, but seeing uh, this as what I've been entrusted with, mm-hmm. what we've been entrusted with. Mm-hmm. And, and so I wonder if that's really a part of this gospel reading mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and I'm thinking about how <clears throat> Jesus' words in this kind of middle section at the end of the parable and before the, chief, the, the Pharisees give their little response, um, or Jesus kind of does his interpretation of taking away the, you know, the kingdom and giving to someone else is like, what is the cornerstone that we have rejected? Is the cornerstone mm-hmm. that we've rejected this kind of nugget of the kingdom of heaven that is the cornerstone of the kingdom of heaven? The stone that we rejected is our inherent worth and the inherent worth of other people and the idea that the goal, the end goal of our lives isn't just consumption of things and hoarding and accumulation of wealth and resources and that the, the rejected stone is this a quality of distribution, this kind of like 
relationships and the thriving of communities and people as the end goal and that that is then the the cornerstone of the kingdom of heaven reorients our whole way of doing everything you know and like and jesus like you said you know this is we are living out we are in we are living out kind of the legacy of a lot of misuse of and and non non stewardship really of creation and Jesus here is is kind of doing that same kind of historical survey because he's not just talking about these Pharisees. You know, he's talking about a history and history and history of all the prophets going back as far as Israel goes and all that. This isn't just them. This is kind of the, the pattern that has been true. And they're just kind of living out this legacy and that that stone that has been that had been rejected so long ago is still the cornerstone of this kingdom of heaven that they're still called to inhabit. Yeah. So I think that goes to point number three from Charlotte. Point number three, which ironically is an aha moment, since I feel like we've already had several aha moments in our conversation so far today. And that comes at the end of this section of scripture where we hear um, in verse 45, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about him, about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. So the whole time that they were listening to this story and answering Jesus, I kept drawing the thought that they were coming to it from a place of righteous indignation um, of like, I know better. I do better. My way of living is the best way of living. And the rest of you should listen to me and we'll be fine. And it's not until, and they're passing judgment, right, on, on the situation and on other people around them through this whole thing. And then all of a sudden, they get to the end of this experience with Jesus, and it's like, oh, he's talking about us. <laughs> and we've all had moments like that, right? Like where we're living into experiences and we think that we are correct in that experience, that we're doing things the right way in that experience. And then all of a sudden we realize, oh no, I'm the problem. Mm -hmm. It's, it's me. I'm the problem. And I'm really mindful of that call to repent in those situations that we always have two choices. We always have two choices in those situations maybe three, but two for sure. We can continue on with our righteous indignation, proclaiming that we are the best and, and ignore the problem and the ways in which we are feeding into it. And, you know, maybe give Jesus to Pilate, maybe. We can do that, or we can look inside at ourselves and say, it is me. Mm -hmm. and, and how do I change that? How do I live into this gospel message? Who do I need to make amends with? Um, what behaviors of my own do I need to correct before I can affect any change outside of my own heart, mm -hmm. right? Like the, mm -hmm. that change has to come from within. And in this scripture, we hear that the chief priests and the Pharisees have decided they are not going to do that, right? Like their initial instinct is like, oh, no, not me. You are talking about me, but my solution is to get rid of you, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. goes right back to the parable and everything that had been happening in the parable and is just perpetuating itself. Mm -hmm. I wonder what happens later, you know, like in their minds. We know what happens with their behaviors. But in those instances, like, is there a point for any of them where it changes and they realize down the road, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, 
I needed to change my behavior. Can I change it now? Is it too late for me? And in those opportunities, and we talk about this so often with children and youth because of the whole way that they view themselves, is that it's never too late with God. Mm -hmm. Like it's never too late to repent, to turn around, to try to do it differently, to live into the gospel message, to become a better version of yourself, to say you're sorry. It's never too late to do those things. And that we're called to constantly examine our own motivations and how we respond to the world and then choose that path. And when we don't choose that path, <laughs> quite often that path appears for us again, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. that we don't get off the hook so easily. I can't imagine that there were not repercussions for the chief priests and the Pharisees based on the converse, on their choices and the path that they chose. The same way that there are not consequences for us, both internal and external, when we make those choices that affect the world around us negatively, mm-hmm. we're called to do better, mm-hmm. and we have to choose to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Well, I feel like there's really like eight points today in the in the podcast, <laughs> but we're only going to recap three of them. Um, so the first point today was from me. And it was just asking the question, what, what is ours? How do we understand what is ours and ownership of what is ours and ownership of resources? And are we called to, to understand that and think about that in a different way? Jeff's followed up on that, uh, asking if, if we conceptualize of these resources in a different way, what are we called to do with what is entrusted to us, what has been entrusted to us? How are we called to, to reframe uh, and shift kind of our paradigm of how we understand the ends of these resources and and of our com- kind of communal life and individual lives. And Charlotte uh, was then asking if once we once we are asked this question, this truth is revealed to us. What? How are we going to respond? You know, are we going to respond like Jeff said with kind of an ongoing sense of wonder and interest and reflection and desire for justice? Again, that like you're saying doesn't doesn't destroy others, but invites, you know, relationship mm-hmm. and invites wonder uh, reciprocally? Or are we going to shut down, turn away, and, you know, try to push that truth away as, as long as we can? Um, so having heard that discussion, we invite you to read this gospel one more time, the gospel for Sunday, October 4th, proper 22, Matthew 21, 33 to 46. See if you if anything else jumps out to you, we'd love to hear from you. Any questions or comments or stories or revelations from your week of faith discussion and reflection, you can email us, faithtogo at edsd.org. You can contact us through our website, myfaithtogo.org, or you can contact us or follow us on Instagram at faithtogo. Thank you, Jeff, for being here today. It was so good to have you on the podcast. It was so great to be here. Thank you for having me. So fun. Thank you. It was a great conversation. I'll be carrying it with me all day Mm -hmm. for sure. You must come back in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And thank you all for listening. And until next time, we say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.